We'll take that. Excellent. All right. Well, tonight we are going to be learning about giving. Now, why are we learning about giving? Well, it's not because it's almost Christmas. It's because uh, I kind of double booked the lesson, the passage that we had tonight. Uh, I originally was supposed to teach the lesson that Sonny and Max taught on Sunday, and I was going to take it and do it over two parts, but then I got asked to teach big church, and all things got topsy-turvy, and I made Max teach the whole passage, and I was going to teach it in two. So hopefully that was okay with the middle school, and I hear Sonny did well on, uh, on Sunday with you guys. Okay. Is Ezra here? Ezra, you have any critiques? Oh, man, he's sick. Sick because his dad was teaching. No, it couldn't be that. So we have a free slot tonight, and so I wanted to talk about giving. Uh, on Sunday, there was an announcement in Big Church made about giving. What was that announcement? Catherine? Okay, it was the church debt reduction offering, right? Okay, how many of you? No, you don't have to raise your hand. Maybe you walked in late to the announcements. Maybe you were reading the bulletin. Maybe you fell asleep during that part. But I thought this was a good time to talk about that, all right? So we just had an offering on Sunday where we asked our congregation if they would give of their own free accord to help reduce the debt. Now, we're not hurting, all right? We have a, a monthly kind of mortgage on the worship center and on the student center down there. And we thought it would be nice if people wanted to give towards that, which frees us up for more things. Uh, the money that your parents give and that you give, we take that money and uh, it's collected. There's a team that collects it and that counts it and inputs it, whether it's online or whether it's in person. And that money goes to meet the needs of the people in our church. And we think, man, everybody here is like rich and loaded. Uh, there's people that, that can't pay their, their house payment. There's people that can't pay for that car. And we want them to come here. We want them to worship. They go through rough times. They lost their job. They haven't been able to get their job for a long time. So those are benevolence things that we want to use. But we also take money and we do like kind of uh, ministry benevolence. So there's a book project for uh, a church overseas and we want to pay for that translation. Or there's been times in India with uh, the missionaries, the Williams there, that there's campus needs that they have. And so we've used that money to do that. But the money that is given also goes to pay the salary of the staff, which we like that, right? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully you're smiling and you're saying yes. It also goes to give us electricity and to fix things, and to buy basketballs, and volleyballs, and pay for camps, and all sorts of stuff. So what is given, we want to use that for the glory of God. And what I want you to consider is, are you giving? What's your attitude in giving? And if you're not giving, why is that? Why is that? So let's start out with, okay, could be that you aren't giving. And I'm going to go fast and I'm going to reiterate these. So you're not going to write all these questions down. Curtis tried. His hand almost fall up, fell off. Okay, I want to talk about this because it could be that you're not giving. And you just do a mental checklist this month, last month, the month before. Where are you giving? Now when I say giving, it could be officially to the church. 
like where your parents go online and they use their credit card or maybe they borrow your credit card and they can give through our system. Or, you know, in the worship center, you have the, the passageways, which we used to call vomitories because that's what they're called, but that's kind of gross. And there's little slots that you put money in and boom, you do that, all right? So it could be a formal, you're giving to the church. Or it could be that there's a friend in need or a loved one in need and you're informally taking that what you have. It could be a family member that's going through a rough patch. So it's not like you're calling us up and saying, hey, elders, I'm giving you money to give to my sister who's sick. You're just giving to them, all right? But it could be that you're not giving at all. could be that you aren't giving for the right reasons. You aren't giving for the right reasons. could be you aren't giving with the right perspective. And maybe that's what hinders you or affects you. When it comes to you aren't giving, all right, we first have to address the elephant in the room. It could be that you are not a Christian. Giving is a command that all Christians are to obey. But you don't love Jesus. You don't know Jesus. So clearly you're not going to obey him in this area either. I I want you to go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Verse 43, familiar verses. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of The evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Now, this isn't necessarily talking about money. It could be, uh, you know, you don't love Jesus, and so you think about filthy things, and you talk about filthy things. Or, I love Jesus, and so I want to have a pure mind and a pure heart, and I want to talk about pure things. But when it comes to what you have received monetarily, the Christian wants to accept that gift from the Lord, and use that for his glory. If you say, I'm not interested in this. Look, that 10 bucks that I get, I worked hard for that. Okay, no, I did not work hard for it, but it's mine. And I have no interest whatsoever in using the money that I have received and giving it to the church or giving it to others. Well, that's, that's a problem. You have to think through that, okay? And I will say this, you know, giving is actually a spiritual gift. We know that the Holy Spirit indwells us and the Holy Spirit gifts us with gifts of leadership and teaching and helps and mercy, administration, that type of thing, okay? I do not have the gift of giving. I don't, all right? But I need to give. Some of you, all right? So I always tell Kim, I think she does have the gift of giving. It's just a generous thing. It's just what she does and how she wants to do it, all right? But as a Christian, it should be a consistent part or pattern. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go home and question your salvation if you forgot to write that check last week. I just want you to think through when it comes to material things, when it comes to money and what you have, are you willing to use those things to give to others for the glory of God? James 2 is a perfect example, and this is really what I'm getting at. 
What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? And you're like, well, clearly not. If a brother or a sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, oh, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? I mean, do you really love those people? No, a Christian, and this is where you get into the informal versus formal giving. A Christian says, man, I, I know someone with a need, and let me help them with that need. Maybe it's just, you know, donating things that I have, or, or, or maybe uh, hosting them and having them over and being hospital or whatever it is. But a Christian, this is what we do and how we do it. It could be that you don't know that you're commanded to give. Maybe you haven't thought of this before. All right, go to 2 Corinthians. And there's that balance in the church where some churches, they always talk about money. They always talk about giving. And why do they do that? They want your money. They want you giving. All right? So sometimes if we talk about it, you're like, that church just wants my money. Well, we want you to obey the Lord and we want to use that as good stewards for the goodness of God. 2 Corinthians 8. Let's look at verse 1, actually. Let's start there. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation and the support of the saints. And this not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus, that is, he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in the love we inspired you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. So you get those things, right? Faith, knowledge, all that. That's great. Well, he's saying, look, the giving for the glory of God and the furtherance of his kingdom, that's also something to aspire to and to work out. Verse 8, I am not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. When you, when you go over to chapter 9, verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Then God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. The idea in scripture especially in the new testament is we work we earn and then we take our earnings and we use that for the glory of god we use that for the glory of god to help others and to build the church first timothy it talks about how elders who rule are to be considered worthy of double honor especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. The laborer is worthy of his wages. Well, how are they going to get the wages to pay the laborer? The church gives. The people give. 
Romans 12, 10 through 13, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And a part of that brotherly love is in the blue, contributing to the needs of the saints. No one's going to argue that you should not be devoted in prayer. No one's going to argue that you shouldn't be rejoicing in hope or persevering in tribulation. But just as big as that is contributing to the needs of the saints and practicing hospitality. If you look at the Old Testament, Malachi 3, 10, and 11, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now let's pause right there. Tithe means what? We see it as 10%. If you actually look at the Old Testament and all of the pieces and the parts, it's more than 10%. But some people will say, did you tithe this week? Well, what do they mean by that? Did you tithe this month? It's that idea of taking 10% of your earning and giving that to God. In the New Testament, does it command us to tithe? No. Does it say it has to be 10%? No. 2 Corinthians 9 is, is what it says. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. It might be that you can give more than 10%. Or it might be that you're going through a tough time. And there's no reason for you just to give all your money to the church. So then the church has to give it back to you in benevolence. So there might be a time frame and a time period in there that you don't have a lot to give to the church. And so it's not a legalistic, it must be 10%, but 10% is kind of a helpful guideline that people use. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Don't be sneaky. Don't keep some of it back so that there may be food in my house and test me now on this. So we're talking about the temple of the Lord, right? When it comes to the temple and the worship, you have the priest, you have the Levites, all right? They're not out making money in their business. They're not working the fields and the crops. They got to buy stuff for the worship of the Lord. So you bring your tithe in so that can happen. Says the Lord of hosts, I will not open for you the windows of the heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. We love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. And I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. And in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him. Well, you keep reading in Proverbs 3, and it says to honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. And you're reconciling the two, and you're saying, okay, look, I, I want to provide for my family. I want to do this. I want to do that. So why would I take my money and give it away? That's not my understanding. That's not computing here. Well, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. What he's saying is, from the first of all your produce. Now, this is Old Testament, right? But the idea is that you don't just spend all your money and then go, oh man, I don't have anything left. What am I going to do? I prioritize the giving. I weigh the cost. One day, what phone can you actually afford? What car can you actually afford? What house can you actually afford? What vacations can you actually afford? So that you're budgeting and you're looking at stuff and saying, I'm going to make it a priority to be able to give, to be able to help. And the blessing of that says, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Well, some read this mistakenly and say, man, this, I got this. This is like godly interest. I'm going to put in a hundred bucks and he's going to give me a thousand back. No, it's saying, look, 
you simply trust God, do what he wants, and God's going to take care of the other things beyond anything that you could possibly imagine. So, it could be you're not giving because you aren't a Christian. It could be that you don't know that you're commanded to. Well, now you know that you're commanded to, that you need to do that. It could be that you're lazy. No one in here, right? There's probably a sibling you could point out, but not you. You're not lazy. Ephesians 4 says, he who steals must steal no longer. Now, why do people steal? Because they're lazy. They don't want a real job. They don't want to work hard. They want you to work hard, and they want to take your stuff. They're lazy bums. But if you struggle in this area, Paul's saying, no more. But rather, you need to labor performing with his own hands what is good so that he'll have something to share with one who has need. It's not just enough to to stop stealing. I need to start working so that I can provide for me, I can provide for my household, I can provide for my family, but then I can also provide for other people. I can also provide for other people. And now sometimes that could be monetarily, sometimes it could be Uh, sharing what you have, the possessions that you have, the home that you have with other people. Could be that you're lazy. Could be you're focused on the world and not God. Don't love the things of the world. The, The shiny toys that will eventually go away. The latest and the greatest and the whatever you need. When you spend all your life and time running after that, you have nothing left. Nothing left. Let's talk about the right reasons for a moment, okay? So, hypothetically, you are giving, but you're not giving for the right reasons. Romans 12, a reason that you would give would be to contribute to the needs of the saints. That's a good thing. That's a a positive thing, all right? In Acts 4, we have this special circumstance where they were a new church and they were new believers and they all were looking at their stuff and they were selling things and they were donating and it's not proposing communism or anything here, okay? But it's saying that they they just kind of had this hive mentality that we want to love each other, we want to bless each other, we don't want anyone to be hurting, we want to help. Those are good reasons. But what could be some of the wrong reasons? You're giving in order to gain God's favor. You're giving in order to gain God's favor. Because with man, we are sinners. And even though God has given us his truth and has written his law on our heart, what do we do with that knowledge? We suppress it. And then we come up with a God of our own choosing. So why do you think there are so many celebrities giving to foundations and organizations and stuff like that? All these rich people. Now, first of all, they get a tax break. All right, that's part of it. But then they're appeasing their conscience. I'm a bad, gross, horrible person, but man, I sure do give, you know, money to lost kittens and stuff like that. So I feel better about myself. You cannot by your way to God. You remember the Simon the sorcerer who, who said he was a Christian and you know, he wanted the Holy Spirit. So he's like, how can, I, how can I buy it? And he was rebuked for that. You can't give in order to gain God's favor, okay? Now, there's the aspect of the obedience. If I'm giving out of obedience, yes, God's happy with me. Like, that's a good thing. But what I'm saying is you can't like earn your salvation with giving. Could be that you are giving in order to gain man's favor. 
man's favor. Look at Matthew 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. Now, why did they, why did they sound a trumpet? Why didn't they do a little triangle or a kazoo or a violin or something like that? Why did they pick the trumpet? Come on, you orchestra people. Super loud. Super loud. Get everybody's attention. Truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Okay, you can't really do that, okay? You can't be like, hey, look over there. It, it, it doesn't work, okay? But the idea is, it should even be kind of like secretive to you, definitely for everybody else. So that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So we know that God's pleased with that, right? But if we're going around, hey, hey look at me. I'm walking into the vomitory. I'm opening up the slot. I'm taking out the, wow, it's taking me so long to write. Oh, hey, how are you doing? Just giving over here. What are you doing? <laughs> Boom. And that's kind of why when you go to other churches, they pass the plate. All right. There's nothing like against passing the plate, but sometimes they pass the plate and that's where people put their donations in. And it kind of, it's a little awkward in some regards because you're like, well, I gave online, but everyone thinks that I'm like, just passing this baby along. But then there's others that are like, <laughs> and we like, let's just kind of remove that. We'll have slots in the vomitories, which we don't call vomitories, by the way. Or you can give online. You can go online. 1 Corinthians 13, 3 and 4. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. I give in love for God and for others could be that you're giving because your parents make you. Now, I'm okay with your parents working with you on these disciplines and stuff like that. And you can't use the whole, well, Justin said that it's wrong for me to have the motive of you making me, so I'm not going to give. <laughs> no, you need to change your heart, not change the, the method of you, you giving, all right? Let's talk about perspective for a little bit. Let's talk about perspective. You aren't giving with the right perspective. Let's say you do struggle with giving. Let's say you do struggle with giving. Who made everything? It's good. I hope you got that one right. Who owns everything? And the answer is not Elon Musk. It's not Bill Gates. The answer is the same. It's God. God made everything, and therefore he's the owner of everything, including the stuff that's in your wallet, including the stuff that's in your bank account. It's his. So I want to take what he has given me and use it for his glory, to use it for kingdom work. What has God graciously given to you? What has he graciously given to you? He's given you a home, shelter, food, clothing. Some of you a car. He's given you so much. So let's take and let's give. Now, I'm not saying that you should go find someone to give your car away. Mom, hey, obeying the Lord just gave my car away, all right? 
Okay, talk to them before you go down that road. You think through those things. But we should be willing to use our possessions to help other people, to bless other people. We don't have to give away our home, but we should be more than willing to host people in our home and have them over and buy them meals and things like that. All of that God blesses. Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? God wasn't stingy with the gift of his son. He freely gave him. God freely gives to us, so we should be willing to give so much for him and for his kingdom. So much for him and his kingdom. Let's talk a little bit more about perspective. If you're struggling with giving, okay? Do you think that you don't have to give because you are young? That's weird. Look, I know I'm not supposed to cuss, but I'm really young. So I can cuss now, but when I get older, I'm going to stop. No, I know I'm supposed to give, but I'm young, so I'm not going to do that now. And I'm going to do those things later. Do you think that your giving isn't very valuable because you might not have much to give? And I, th I think this is probably a valid one for you to consider. Because let's be honest here, okay? Our campus is beautiful. Our campus is really good. And we have lots of resources and you're pulling in and you're seeing what people are driving and you're, you're seeing what people are wearing and you're starting to think through all of that. Well, first of all, you need to keep in mind what we use the money for. There are people that look like they have it all together. They look like they're fine, but they are hurting financially. So we want to give to be able to help them. But we also want to take that money and we want to use it for the kingdom of the Lord. Our church hosts several events. We just had uh, this past Thursday a fellowship of different pastors well, where'd the money come from to buy the food? Well, it came from your parents. It came from the people that are giving. So we want to take and then we want to give to the community, but also to the Christians that are around us and to do those things. But let's talk about that idea of it's not very valuable. All right. So here we have a little chart. We love charts. We're going to look at the group, the number of youth in that group, the giving, what it would look like monthly, what it would look like yearly. And I did formula, so hopefully it all works out okay. Let's take the middle school group, okay? The middle school group, they average about 105. And when I say average, I don't just do Sunday or Wednesday because I see them connected. It's Sunday, Wednesday, there's about 105. And let's say those cute little middle schoolers, they're able to, to muster up, each one's able to muster up just 10 bucks in a month. 10 bucks. Well, you're good at math, so you know what that looks like monthly. And then you can take that, you can times it by 12, and those middle schoolers over there that get money from sitting on cats and walking dogs and sitting babies and all sorts of stuff, whatever it is, okay, that's a good, it's a pretty good chunk. It's a pretty good chunk. Now, what about you, older, mature people that actually like have jobs and stuff? Well, there's about 110 of you, all right, on average, which we are through the moon excited that there are so many of you. That's awesome. Let's just say 20 bucks. You got a part-time job, so you can throw a little bit more green in, whatever it might be. Now we're looking at 2,200 a month, and for the year, 
over 26,000. Wow. But how does that work? I'm not pitching a pyramid scheme to you people. (laughs) We're all just giving some. And if we all give some, well, then it grows to big. But when you say, but ma'am, does my 20 bucks, is it, or $10, let's say you're giving $5. Is my $5 really going to do anything? Look, I know in VBS when I put my money and the monkey went across the line and the missionary won a brand new car. Okay? But what, what about now? What, what would it accomplish? What would it do? So if you added all of that up, you can do 2 plus 2 and 4 plus 4 and all that stuff. That's a good chunk of money. All right? And I want you to understand that whether that money is going to meet the needs of people or whether we're using it outside the church to bless people and to, to, to train and equip people or whether we're using it to pay our electric bill and to make sure that we have pie night and delicious stuff like that. Everything that we do as a youth group, there's a cost to it. And you're like, yeah, I know, I, I pay for it. Well, you do, sort of. So when summer camp rolls around, and you're like, man, that's pretty expensive, summer camp. That's a good chunk of change. You pay a fraction of what the total cost is. You know who pays the rest? The church pays the money to make it because the elders feel it's really important to get as many of you as possible going on summer camp. Well, if you were really going to pay all of the money to cover the cost, that'd be like one of your school trips. Try one of those bad boys out and see what the cost is, okay? But the elders see this as really important, so they're already going to budget an amount to offset the cost. So let's say the the flag football league. That's a fun thing, right? In the flag football league, it costs $60 to you. Well, that didn't even cover the expenses of your uniform. We're not talking about the field rental or any of the other supplies that went into it. We lost money for every single person that signed up just for buying you the shirt and the shorts. And we're happy to do that. We are happy to do that because we want you to come. We want you to enjoy and we want you to benefit and have a great time. But if there's something that we can do to give back, then that may help scholarship someone or it may help us cover the cost of another expense. All of those things, okay? So if we have uh, this kind of body perspective, this body mentality that we're all giving and helping, then that's going to be an awesome thing. I I want you to go to Philippians 4. In verse 15, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that in the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent to give more than once for my needs. And I love this. Paul says, Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Now, wait a minute. They gave money to Paul for the work in the ministry, and Paul's saying your account is increasing. It's a benefit to be able to participate in the giving. Verse 18, but I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. 
I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. When we give with a cheerful heart for God's kingdom, whether it's to missionaries or whether it's for mundane things around here, it is a fragrant aroma. It is a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. Well, I want you, as you walk away from this lesson, I want you to know that you are commanded to give. Christian, this is not optional. It's not optional. I want you to understand the importance of your giving. You are participating along with the saints for the furthering of God's kingdom, the building up of the church and the furtherance of the gospel. Thirdly, I want you to, well, do it. Don't just know it. Don't just understand it. I want you to do it. It's very important that you start building healthy giving habits now. Just like when you leave the youth group, I want you to be able to open up the Bible and I want you to be able to study the Bible and understand what it is. I want you to have certain key verses in mind so that you can call them when sharing the gospel or when battling temptation. I would encourage you to start building healthy habits now when it comes to giving. Plan ahead. Plan ahead. Plan the when, the where, how much. If you get paid monthly, it might be very helpful to schedule one time a month that you look at what you're paid and then you give an amount. It could be that you get paid bi-weekly. Those are helpful things for you to put in. Maybe you always do it on the first of the month or you do it the last day of the month. Plan ahead. Work to give if needed. Work to give if needed. Maybe you don't have to work. Your parents don't make you work. Or maybe you don't need to work or whatever it is. But you want to help. You want to assist. You want to do something. Well, you can consider working to help out. Don't let other things keep you from giving. Don't let other things keep you from giving. Understand the importance of it and know what God can do through you in this area. I know we don't talk a lot about giving. But I hope that you learn some things that you could take home and you could practically think through it. I'd encourage you to talk with your mom and dad. How is it that I can help? How is it that I can participate? What can we do as a family to do this for God's glory? Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do love you. We thank you for everything that you've given us in Christ. The riches abundant. We thank you for the material blessings that you give us in this life as well. And I pray that we would be good stewards of what you've entrusted to us. That we would use that money and you, we would use those material things well for the furtherance of your kingdom and for the building up of the saints. We love you, Lord. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen.